Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Spore the Warning podcast. This is our coverage of the 2019 San Francisco International Film Festival. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, as we said, usually um, this podcast covers uh, weekly releases that are coming out generally everywhere and sometimes mm-hmm. limited release in SF, New York, LA. Um, but this week, um, the the SF Film Festival <laughs> yeah. has started and uh, we have spent a week going to the festival. Obviously, we haven't seen every film that's come out. We've seen just a small handful. Um, we're not going to bring you reviews of every single thing that we saw, um, but we are going to start with this kind of intro to the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk just briefly about a couple things we saw and what we thought of it. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to go into some full reviews of a little film called The Death of Dick Long and then also a documentary called Knock Down the House. Yeah. Both of which I think are going wide within the month. So yeah. they're coming out pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So it should be things that you guys will be able to see. Um, one of them is landing on Netflix in a month. So that definitely be able to see that one mm-hmm. no matter what. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I guess briefly, how have you enjoyed the festival so far, Stephen? Yeah, it, it's been fine so far. I, I feel like last year... I got lucky in that there were a few kind of big Sundance hits that made it to the festival that I was able to catch. That seems to be the main allure of SF film is like after Sundance, they kind of get to pick like these are the biggest movies that came out. We get to highlight them in our festival too. Um, This year, there are some of those, but I'm kind of traveling during most of them. (laughs) Uh, Like the Farewell, for instance, is a thing I really wanted to catch that you will probably be talking about next week. Yeah. But yeah, so after I got past the idea that there weren't like many movies that I recognized coming out, I've, I've enjoyed what I got. Like it's been an eclectic combination. I'm not going to tell you the ratio I have of liking versus not liking it (laughs) because that'll probably spoil the reviews. Um, (laughs) But I, I, I felt pretty good about it. It's skewing more towards documentary, but I think documentary is a great format for this festival. So I'm into it. Yeah. Um, I think last year... We were unlucky, but it turned out to be sort of lucky. I mean, we were getting ready to leave for the Tribeca Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of found out about the SF Film Festival like late, but we were able to get just a few little gems that we were really excited about, and that kind of got us hyped to go over to Tribeca and, and watch some films there. Um, this year, we were like pretty ready looking at the list before, and I think that we like <laughs> booked a lot more things mm-hmm. than we would have la- last year because we didn't know about the festival. So I think that... like. Something about last year, like, getting into the hype, I was, like, fully alert. Like, even when we got to New York, we were, like, staying up till 3 in the morning, getting up early, working regular hours. I remember how like, young we were back then. <laughs> and, and, like, now it's just like, oh, it's a normal work day, and then go watch a film, and I'm exhausted every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I – the festival is just getting started. Um, I hope there's some good things to come. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been – it's been kind of a hectic uh, first week, and I'm hoping that like I settle into things and I get back into like the, yeah. the, the peak you're, excitement. You're the only one who's had a multiple film in one day experience so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I have any scheduled. I don't think I do. No, I can't because I'm gone next weekend, yeah. and I wouldn't do that on a school night. I mean, a work <laughs> night. Um, but yeah, so this is going to be sort of freeform. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of just going to hit a few things that... As opposed to the scripted ones that we normally do. Yeah. Like yeah, tightly yeah. written conversations. Well, I, I just mean like normally we have a format, we have yeah. the opening, then we go to the thing, and then we watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just kind of going to hit and briefly describe some of these films. Yeah. Um, 
or experiences. One of mm-hmm. them is not actually a film, but sort of a film-related talk. Chris might argue two of them are not films. <laughs> yeah um but um yeah so let's start off with the first thing that we both saw at the festival is uh claire denise uh high life Mm. um (laughs) which i'm gonna let you describe Mm. high life is an art house film that happens to be set in space about a guy with a baby in the future where Prisoners have been shipped off into spaceships, and he is slowly, slowly we kind of learn how he got to be one of the only two people left alive. And I guess you would call it a rumination on life. <laughs> um, yeah. Stephen, the film I, you I, just it, described... Describing it in plot is like not what it should be described in. <laughs> the way you described that film, it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Was that film great, Stephen? I, I did not love High Life, and I did, so th- this was a Claire Denis tribute that included a screening of High Life. That's kind of how they presented that. They're doing it with Laura Dern and a few other people, too, I think. John C. Riley, one of these nights. Um, <laughs> They're showing the Sisters Brothers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in preparation for the Claire Denis tribute, she's kind of been a major blind spot for me in terms of directors that people who love movies always casually reference as, like, one of the greats, one of the modern greats. Uh, she is leading the jury in short films at Cannes this year. So it, she's like that kind of person, right? The person who is like, oh, you got her on the jury. Amazing. So yeah. in preparation for this, I booked a ticket. I, I don't think I even told you to book one, right? I, I remember getting one for myself and being like, I'm going to watch a bunch of her movies building up to this because she feels like someone I should know about. Yeah. Um, and so in the process of building up to that, I've learned enough to know that she is not someone you would probably like um (laughs) most of the time so so what i've seen of hers is uh 35 shots of rum which is a very quiet uh family and relationship drama of sorts set in paris it also might be a better way to watch high life (laughs) true 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 uh and and that one i'll say is tender i i don't know if you would love it because nothing like it's one of those movies where nothing really happens yeah but it, it is a very sweet gentle movie it's like not a movie you'd be aggravated by it has some really beautiful character yeah, moments. I, I, i'm fine with a film that where nothing ever happens as long as something is said yeah so that's really where it comes down yes yeah, so I, I should say that that was the second one of hers i've seen because i watched let the sunshine in last year's movie in preparation for our like end of the year uh, award and that was a quote romantic comedy starring juliette binoche and it, it first clued me in as to what she does because it was very like you're seeing a romantic comedy, but you're hardly ever seeing them actually in the relationship. You're just seeing her after in like scattered moments and you have to figure out like what the hell is going on in this movie. And that is kind of like a through line in her work. I think is like you figure out what the hell is going on. I'm going to give you, you know, potentially beautiful images and make you ponder with it. And so so like, that's what she does. Um, I saw white material, which I liked quite a bit actually, which is her, um, her movie set in some part of Northern Africa, I believe, in like colonial period of time, which is where Claire Denis grew up. Um, and it's kind of about a, an uprising that happens there and a woman who owns one of these um, like sugarcane farms, plantations, I don't know what you call them there, um, 
who is like trying to stay there, even though it's clear that like the world is going to hell around her and she has to get out. That was a more kind of traditional drama. And I think you would actually maybe like that one. Okay. Um, but anyway, all, all that to say, like, I, I was using this as an excuse to watch her movies. I couldn't get Bo Travai because it's not available anywhere, I've learned. Uh, I have more <laughs> things in tow. But the main thing about her is the movie is hardly ever about plot at all. It's scattered images. The characters are going to frustrate you, their motivations, and you're either on board with that or you're not on board with it. Um, so High Life cranks that even further in the sense that it is now taking a thing, science fiction, which people have all sorts of feelings about already. And it is just very much not caring about the mechanics of science fiction, right? The, yeah. the, the big scene that opens this film involves like bodies being dropped and falling in space, right? Like yeah. this is not a movie. The spaceship looks like a giant matchbox or something. It doesn't look yeah. like a real thing. Which is, um, which is fine. I'm fine with low-budget sci-fi, yeah. but that's so not I, the issue. So I, I don't know the right way to rank it. I, this is not like among the things I've loved of hers at all. I think it's still hypnotic enough that I was glad I saw it. It has like jarring moments. There are moments where it's like really violent and really loud and then moments where it's very serene. There are bits toward the end of the movie, especially, that I think if they had focused more on that and extended it out, it would be a much better movie. Like, toward the end, it reminded me a little bit of Sunshine in the way it, like, it's looking at space, but it's picking different visual cues than the ones you're used to. Yeah. Um, and some plot things that are very similar to Sunshine, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It. This is for sure not a Chris movie. It's also not a movie I would like necessarily recommend to people unless you're a Claire Denis completist, in which case I'm sure you'll love it. You'll know things that I don't know that make it be wonderful and speak to you. But for me, it was just a movie that is, it goes way off the deep end. Um, there's a lot more come in this movie than I was expecting. <laughs> um, the The physicality of it is... <laughs> It's, it's provocative. I don't know why it's doing any of it. Like I don't. I don't see a point to it necessarily. Yeah. But yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I originally had not got a ticket for this film, um, but uh, I think you gave me the pitch that you gave the, just moments ago, where you were like. Uh, she's kind of a big deal. It might be worth checking out. So I'm like, all right, fuck it, I'll add it. Why? Why not add another film to the list? Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, uh, much to the prediction of one Carson Patrick, I detest this movie. Um, <laughs> I did not have a good time at all with it. I Nothing it was doing uh, was working for me. Um, I had heard people like t praising it and saying, like, it's it's a sci-fi premise, but it's not a sci-fi movie. That is 100% correct. <laughs> there is, this has none of the constituent parts of a sci-fi film. Um, there are, like, veiled attempts at world building, but, like, they're, they're not referenced to anything. They sort of just exist, like... And it feels almost like some of them are sort of sci-fi, dystopian future tropes, like who the people are on this ship, why they were maybe selected from this thing. Um, the fact that, like, people are very concerned with having children, even though that doesn't seem to actually pertain to the mission that the people may or may not be on. Yeah, we don't know. Even if their mission succeeded based on the way they described the mission, I'm not sure how... That helps people who are still back on Earth. Um, Julian Pinochet just wants, <laughs> wants babies. Um, this this was just a film that it, it, it just I I yeah do not abide. <laughs> I so the only thing I will say is the way how how should I put this? You probably love Upstream Color 
for very specific plot reasons of how it fits together and makes sense. To me, the reason I like Upstream Color is just those visuals, and it felt yeah. like scattered scenes. I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on, but I loved it because it put me in a trance. This movie doesn't put me in as much of a trance, but it it had little bits of that joy that I still got from it. So I think it speaks to, like, probably if Upstream Color hadn't meant anything to you at all, you would maybe walk away and be like, what the fuck was I just watching? Yeah, and, and that is... That is true, and but I think that at least Upstream Color is dealing with certain sets of emotions that you can understand even if you don't know what the fuck is happening mm-hmm. in the film. And I think that this film, there is they're, a lot of... They're very inaccessible. Robert yeah. Pattinson, we have no idea how he feels about anything. Yeah, Everyone it, is very abrasive, too, in general. And some of, the, some of the visuals, too, like, it leaves you with not like a, wow, that was shocking. It leaves you with like a, is, it, it, is this a woman trying to impregnate people while trying to not be pregnant anymore <laughs> like there was I, don't, I didn't understand what was happening in that scene and it, i think you know the scene i'm talking french about. bo burnham <laughs> i i just i there there's a lot of the stuff that this film is doing it i feel honestly a lot like i felt watching madeline's madeline mm-hmm. where i was like there's stuff happening and somebody thinks it's real real smart <laughs> and i just don't appreciate it so I, I think your review of Madeline's Madeline was like, there's a lot going on and I don't like any of it. <laughs> That's basically exactly. I think we were we were talking about something, whether or not we were going to do full reviews of every film or just some of the films. And I said, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I did not fucking like that movie. Yeah. And you said something like, that's like the most obvious cat ever. So I forget exactly what you said. Yeah, but... I, I thought it was completely clear. I should mention too, we got off wrong foot at the festival because we were seated toward the back uh, right of the first theater. Uh, I'm not going to say who didn't let us move to the balcony, but it wasn't me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we picked seats, and then Steam was like, I just went to the bathroom and checked the balcony. It should be cool. And I was like, eh, we're already here. <laughs> yeah, because the balcony was empty, so we could have been like front it, row of the balcony. It wasn't like we were fighting about whether yeah, or sure. not we moved to the balcony. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it quickly became apparent during the Q&A because they, they front-loaded it with a talk with Claire Denis. Yeah, because it wouldn't make sense to let people talk afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> so. which is unfortunate because like I think her talking afterwards, probably like the charm factor would help a little bit in like letting her kind of answer what she was thinking about when she was making the movie. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine the questions from the audience. <laughs> oh, Claire, wonderful film. Um, <laughs> the scene where Juliet rides the Sibian... Um, <laughs> What, what was the goop that comes out of the pipe? <laughs> was that sadness? <laughs> anyway, uh, there was a very squeaky door that we were next to. <laughs> there, was a, <laughs> there was a very squeaky door, and every single audience member walked through it multiple times over the course of that, that Q&A and yeah. then the movie. It, a squeaky is not even the right word. It was making an like, otherworldly drilling noise every time it opened and closed, and it... Led me to hate my fellow man in a way which is not a good mood to be in when you're watching a very, very, very impressionistic film that you're either enjoying because you feel good while you're watching it or you are not. Yeah. Um, just on that, I mean, I don't, I don't want to drag this out too long, but if I could do one more festival rant. Mm-hmm. There is time between when a film ends and when the Q&A starts. You know whether you're the type of person who wants to sit through a Q&A. Fucking leave. Yeah. Just leave if you're not the kind of person who wants to stay in the Q&A. God, all the people who like wait till the credits are done and then the lights go up and then they walk away? Ugh. Yeah. No. 
those are not even the people that I hate the most. I hate those people. Mm-hmm. What I also hate is everyone who leaves after that and just stands up and their chair goes doom, 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 doom. And what'll happen is everyone hears that sound, that distracting ass sound while you're trying to listen to a person talk about the film that you just watched. And ev- no one after the first, like, okay, first person to stand up goes doom, 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 doom. Mm. And then everybody goes like, oh, maybe I should hold my seat as I get up and let it not bounce like that. But no. And what happens is one person stands up and then somebody else goes like, fuck, I should leave too. And then they stand up. So you get doom, 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 And it's like this, the worst drum circle you've ever been in. Um just happening it's basically just the soundtrack to high life yeah. happening every four seconds to, <laughs> after every other q a and i just i, I want to stand up and just go fucking stay in your seat um but i'm not going to do that because then i will look like a lunatic um instead i'll just do it on this podcast yeah um because it's a safe space um but yeah it's really just really freaking I, I hear you i will say i didn't clue into the seat noise so you should consider the occupation of house tuning maybe <laughs> We'll get to house tuning a little bit later. Mm. Um, but yeah, so let, let's move on to the next thing. Um, this is one thing that you saw that I did not see, and that is the um, state of film uh, talk by Boots Riley. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it was cool. So every year they do a, a speech slash presentation slash open-ended talk by someone in the movie industry. They call it the, the state of cinema address. Um, but it isn't really about the state of cinema it's like pick a topic and it's it's closer to like you have an hour-long platform say whatever you want to say about film um what's the deal film so it it, it should probably surprise no one that boots riley spent the majority of his time tying politics into film in particular like leftist slash progressive politics and like how that influenced cinema um i mean sorry to bother you of of the many movies that came out last year about the black experience, that was the one that tied it very much to economics and l- like labor groups rising up, right? It was very much like a call to action. It, yeah, it, it was a like Occupy Wall Street type film. Um, and so he he talked for a while about um, first he opened with a rap, which was cool. I, d- I don't think the audience who like goes to see these talks are normally expecting that, so that was a that was a cool way to kind of break the ice. Uh, but then he talked through kind of the history of film. And how in, like, the early, like, the 20s, 20s and 30s, um, there were clear, like, socialist communist movements in the U.S. that existed. And then to help fight the Nazis, they kind of signed an agreement that they would stop organizing because they they didn't want to hurt the economy. They didn't want to shut down factories and stuff during the war. And then they moved underground after that. And when they moved underground, the main way that they expressed themselves was through art. And so he was talking about how there was a shift where all of a sudden politics stopped being about, like, how can we throw a wrench into systems that we don't like and, like, actively stop them and into how can we, like, make a statement and spread the word about about what we don't like. Yeah. And his argument was that up until now, that has been the way, like, most film that tackles political issues has been about is let's, like, shine a light on injustice, let's talk about it, leave the audience thinking, and then end the movie. And he was saying that we're entering an era now where people are starting to feel the need for more than that, where they want a movie to not only be like, this is what we are upset about, but here is how you can change it. Like, here are the groups that you can follow. Here are, like, the things you can do to actually disrupt it. And then he went into, like, 
very entertaining like tangents about like the history of capitalism and stuff. He he's a very entertaining figure to uh, to give a talk. Yeah. Um, and it was yeah, it, it was just fun. He was like speaking from the heart. Uh, he was giving voice to a lot of pretty like radical ideas, which of course in San Francisco it's like a good place to give voice <laughs> yeah, to them. Not that radical. Um, there there were a few moments in the Q and A where he like kind of casually was like, okay, I know this is the last question, but uh, yeah, we have time. So here's why violence and capitalism are always combined, and the drug trade is just another form of capitalism. He just went on this thing, and it, it was pretty cool. Like, I, I dug it a lot, actually. He was an amusing speaker, but he was not talking about movies very much. It was more about politics and then how maybe the artist has some role to play in, like, shining a light which fits well with the movie we're going to talk about after the movie you're about to talk about <laughs> well i mean the movie i'm about to talk about technically fits along sure with that you're right it is oh, also man, a it film. was socialism day <laughs> yeah this is also a film about communism and socialism and whether those groups are underground or outside of ground <laughs> um basically this is a film this is one of the films that after we went to the sf film member night and they kind of talked about different things that were coming up uh i was kind of excited for this one this film is called red joan um it uh it is basically a story about this um woman who ended up selling a bunch of uh the british um Basically, information from the British scientists who were working on the atomic bomb um, gave away their information to the Russians. And it's about this girl who kind of, during her first few years in college, um, in this program, falls in love with a guy and is, you know, quote unquote, radicalized or not radicalized. And she's arrested in present day um, and being essentially tried, like, sort of for treason. Basically, it's, 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 um, <laughs> it's, she she's guilty of breaking the Official Secrets Act, which is interesting because later in the festival, <laughs> there's a film called Official Secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyways, uh, unrelated, but um, I, I was excited for it because I, what I wanted from this film was sort of a imitation game film about how this woman decides for altruistic reasons that, hey, everybody's working on these nuclear bombs and we don't want World War III what if I give this to other world powers and make sure that everybody has the bomb so that nobody wants to use it on each other? Mm-hmm. I, that premise on paper is great. Like, there, there's a really compelling story thing come out of that. Um, Judy Dench is great. Like, I want to see her, like, acting her heart out, trying not to get tried for treason, right? Like, this mm-hmm. all sounds like really, really great things. Um the film is not great, though. No. Nope. <laughs> you know, like, the night before we were going to see the film, Stephen, like, was looking at his phone. And he's like... How much do ratings that come out affect your decision of wanting to see a movie or not? And I was like, what do you mean? He just holds up his phone and it's got like a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. And I was like, you know, there's not enough reviews. Maybe maybe what they don't like is it's too melodramatic or maybe mm-hmm. what they don't like is it's this and this. I, I was like, there is enough there that I could um, enjoy the film. And I think that what I got was not the, the type of thing that I could celebrate even though it wasn't great because it was just bad. Mm-hmm. Um I so part of the problem is this isn't about a woman who falls in love and is slowly radicalized. Like the way they trade their cells, it is she meets this guy. The guy goes, "Hey, you want to come to my movie night?" And then while she's there, she makes all these friends and slowly learns that they're all communists, and then gets tricked into giving up the secrets. Right? The she she does meet a guy, falls in love, and he goes, "Would you like to come to my movie night?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, sure." She gets there, and the movie night opens with them doing a communist like 
chant thing together. <laughs> and it there's never a moment where she doesn't know these are communists. <laughs> and then, like, literally, the loving embrace that her uh, Russian immigrated to Germany uh, boyfriend um, he he literally longingly looks at her and goes, "My little comrade." And it's like there is nothing subtle happening in this movie mm. at all. And the the ironic thing too is this this movie has the Dumbo problem where they're constantly trying to let you know how sh- how smart she is and the men are like undermining her and stuff like that. Um, ironically enough, the real woman was just a secretary. Mm-hmm. So the scenes in the film where like the scientist guys are like, oh little secretary wouldn't understand all this math. They rewrote the character to be this genius, like Cambridge uh, Mm. physicist woman, Um, which is fine, but it's just funny that they're trying to be like really on the nose. They could have gone more imitation game like directly and made it so she wasn't trained quite as much as the other people, but she still was like brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Like they could totally do that, but instead they wanted her to be top of her class. And like, but the real life story about the woman that this is sort of based on was just a secretary who... The reason she was able to get all this stuff is because everybody underestimated her. Mm-hmm. So she was like, oh, well, I just have access to all the they things. They don't think we got the balls uh, to pull this off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so it's it just – in the end, it's, just, it's, it's not a very compelling tale. Um, and I think really one, one of the things the trailer kind of sold us of, of, okay, she gets arrested. Now this is the trial. The entire film is this flashback, right? And it literally ends with her being carted off from the house. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like – it doesn't even go to trial. Like there's this big thing where like she wants her son to defend her because her son is also a lawyer. And it's like will the son actually think she did the wrong thing or the right thing? Is he going to stand up for her or not? Like I wanted a court case where you argue to the audience that what she did was the right thing. Mm-hmm. And instead you just get a line where she goes, I was trying to prevent World War Three. Given that it hasn't happened yet, I think I did the right thing. <laughs> and it's like there's no – I don't know. This film isn't doing anything with the concept. It doesn't make you happy that she supported the communists. Like mm-hmm. she has a dick boyfriend who constantly tries to get her to steal secrets. And she's like, you know what? Sure. I love you. Even though <laughs> it's just, it, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it was long and not exciting in the way that I hoped it would be. And it's definitely no imitation game. Mm. Maybe uh, open what, what's it called open secrets uh, official secrets official secrets maybe that'll be closer because you've got the uh, the shared actress <laughs> and it's a little bit closer to imitation <laughs> yeah. game I, I I haven't been hearing positive things about oh. it, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it's good I'm hoping it's good it is like the closing night selection so mm-hmm. I'm hoping there's enough there to 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 bring me in and make me excited for it but uh, still gonna check it out yep um so cool. yeah so. We've already leapfrogged over Death of Dick Long because we're going to talk about that in full. I guess we'll leapfrog now over Knock Down the House, which brings us to uh, The Sound of Silence, the movie that yeah. we both saw in the Dolby Theater yeah. yesterday. Which, once again, another one that I was very, very excited to see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's a very strange plot. It's about a man who is a house tuner. Um, essentially, he can key into the tones that different devices um, in your house um, make and their uh, resonance or dissonance with the key that your city creates mm-hmm. can instill livelihood or depression in you. And he kind of goes to people's houses and like feng shui's the sound out of them. And uh, yeah, Stephen, how did this film work out for you? I so I, I was not particularly excited going in to see this movie. In fact, the only thing I remembered or knew about this movie was Peter Sarsgaard was in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had literally like. Joanna referenced 
something about like house tuning or something and i was like i don't know what you're talking about like like i she had learned more about the movie than i had <laughs> and she didn't even see it yeah, yeah um so anyway given that i walked in having like very little feelings about it i think i feel okay about this movie i think it has a really 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 interesting premise i think it like explores something that is very interesting in the classic festival movie pitfall i don't think it does enough with it to justify itself it kind of like takes a cool idea takes some cool feelings that like you get to toy with for the duration of the movie and then it doesn't do enough character building to really bring it to a pleasant conclusion yeah but i think as a short film at least or, or like something else i think this is really cool like i i enjoyed the idea of tuning houses i think there's a lot of nice moments that are capturing kind of the the vibrancy and the chaos of New York City and the idea of like finding a little meditative place to like key into the quiet things happening in life and like subtly adjust them. I think that's really interesting. I also think the playing with like the, he believes himself to be a scientist doing rigorous work who is like helping people in the name of science. But then they, with Rashida Jones's character, they kind of compare him to acupuncture and other things that are more like, Maybe this isn't science, but yeah. maybe it just makes people feel nice that they are doing something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I think the movie has a lot of nice enough things going for it that I was happy I saw it in the end. I just don't think it it doesn't build to a satisfying conclusion. It There's a lot of pacing issues in the movie where you expect more to be going on than is actually going on. And I just think in the end it doesn't... I, I don't know. It, it would be nice if it did more with this premise, but judging by the kind of festival curve of like this is a thing i've never heard of before let me check it out i i felt pretty happy yeah like i'm I'm a fan of sarsgaard and i've i've i usually check out his little movies like the uh is it the experimenter or whatever what is the one where he's playing the guy who does the shocking experiment um with all the people with the guy behind the wall where you shock him if he gets a question wrong uh Anyways, uh, it's like a famous uh, psychology experiment that's been like debunked and stuff like that. Um, anyways, whatever the movie's called, um, like I, I, I'll, I'll see him in these roles and they're always really, really fun. And I'll watch them and even if I don't love the film, I'll still be entertained by it. Um, I think this film, I think the problem with this film is it's smarts is all of the meta stuff that the average listener or watcher cannot pick up on. <laughs> depending on how they see the film, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work. Like, this this film was made in conjunction with, like, Dolby people, and, like, it has a special Atmos mix, and it's, like, all this attention and work went into dealing with the resonance of sound in the film and how it's presented and where it's presented and, like, tuning the mixing of ambient noise mm-hmm. and all these things where it's, like, I so appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. I also would not know what you were doing if right. you didn't if you weren't standing there telling me about it. Mm-hmm. And I think I was really excited for this idea that you can you can like because I mean I, I I will definitely pick up on a sound in a room. I'll be that guy who tells everybody there's this high pitch whine in their house and then they'll be mm-hmm. fucking mad at me forever because I cleaned them into this thing. Or like I've definitely been where I've had to unplug like a charging plate because it's emitting a whine or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, so, like, I, I'm totally on board with this idea that changing the sound in your environment can change, like, your mental state. Um, I thought it was really cool. I, I really liked the beginning of this film and just the first times you see him, like, it opens on him talking about the tone that a radiator in a guy's house emits and he just cuts this little 
piece of copper that you would normally use to like secure a pipe to a wall or something like that. And he just wraps it around it and exposed. And just that little wrapping around theoretically is changing the pitch that's being emitted and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this movie's rad. (laughs) And then it just never goes up from there, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that low, it's... It's the visual representation of like the Dunkirk sound uh-huh. <laughs> that's just droning yep. and it, it makes you dread, but like it doesn't go anywhere. It feels like it's going up, but it's never actually going up because yeah. it's just repeating that over and over and over. And I think that the film is interesting, but then doesn't do anything with that interestingness. And I think you can't have so many characters that are deadpan. You can have the one person who is deadpan and just kind of contemplating where they are in life while the other characters around them are normal. But when you fill your film just with very monotone people who don't get too excited that they're working on a thing um it's just not an exciting film when you do this and especially Mm -hmm. a film that's all about having the quiet moments and then the not quiet moments and then just sounds and then just not sounds it's a thing that like begins to it it, it's just it's you you need more drugs to keep you on that higher right Mm -hmm. and i might this is one of those films where I felt bored and interested at the exact same time. Um, it was almost like a parallel third. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, and it's just, I, I, I've never experienced that before where I was like... The, the problem is your tiredness is a fourth, so you have some dissonance there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's just a thing that I really wanted to love this. I appreciate this film more than I like it, um, but it was slightly enjoyable. There's actually some very, very interesting things with the resolve of this film and just the... They almost go into a, the Hummingbird Project state mm-hmm. where, like, somebody else is trying to do what he's doing better. Yep. And then his attempts to overcome that reveal in himself thoughts that he didn't have about this. It, it just mm-hmm. – they are doing very interesting things in this film. Yeah, and they've clearly consulted scientists, like, not not just because a Dolby person was up talking about it. But I think, like – Two Dolby people. Yeah. The, the, nature, <laughs> the nature of science and the way you become <clears throat> kind of obsessed with what you are doing – to the point where you see positives everywhere and you no longer know how to differentiate like objective opinion from your desire for this thing to be true. Yeah. Anyone who's gone to grad school, like that is for sure the life when you're like pursuing a PhD is that you are, you have this great idea and you're like, God damn, this better be good because I've sunk way too much time. <laughs> so I refuse to hear anything but it being good. And I yeah. feel like it, it definitely tapped into that a bit. I, I do think the movie doesn't do well with the um, moments of drama or conflict. Like, there are arguments that uh, uh, Peter Sarsgaard will have with Rashida Jones's character. And to me, they just come totally out of nowhere because they have nothing to do with the way either character actually behaves in normal, yeah. everyday life. So so that was kind of where the movie lost me. But I still... It, it was tranquil and nice. It, it reminded me kind of of Blue Knight <laughs> that we saw in Tribeca. <laughs> just like a, a movie about two tired people in New York who are having, like calming conversations and it's kind of about music but not really like yeah I, th- there was something there where i i like the vibe but i i wouldn't tell anyone to rush out to see it but i think i think it's totally enjoyable at least yeah. with like in a place with a good sound system i think it's an interesting like experience to have i will say too um i the, the double people might not like hearing this but i would say that if you do watch this film you probably won't see it in theaters but when you do get a really nice pair of headphones mm-hmm. And just crank that shit up and watch it in that. I think it could be potentially really cool. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah. So that is sort of some of the things that we've seen um, in our first week at the, the SF Film Festival. The movie is Experimenter, by the way, that you're talking okay, about. Okay. So, well, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. right. <clears throat> um, 
I had never heard of it. (laughs) Maybe it's worth watching. Um, uh, It's definitely better than uh, the the Stanford Prison Experiment Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, uh, But uh, y'all like them sausages? But, uh, yeah, so we, as, as Stephen already mentioned, we did also see a little film called The Death of Dick Long and also a film called Knock Down the House. Um, so we are going to take off in just a second and go record full reviews of those for you. Um, but for now, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Uh, people can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from something. Um, if I can't find the new jingle that they use for the SF Film Festival, I'll try to go back to our old episode and find the one from last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we are in the film festival. Two more reviews coming for you. And then back to some more film festival stuff for the next week and a half. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back the following week yeah. with reviews, uh, not reviews, but a review of Endgame. Um, so that's Avengers Endgame, in case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're in the Endgame now. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will see you in just a moment. Bye.